So, I think it's safe to say I'm the first this year to wish you a very Merry Christmas. <laughs> and I'm excited to look at the story of the birth of Christ, right? I, I'm probably the first, I assume. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm actually, you know, thankful the Lord's given us some real Christmassy weather this weekend, too. It fits. <laughs> we should have all worn sweaters and bundled up today. Um, so, in Matthew's birth account, which I'll read in a second, um, what we're seeing and what I hope we can see is that in God's kingdom, the humble are lifted up, the proud are brought low, and those far away are brought near. And we see that in three kind of people or groups of people in the story of the, the birth of Christ. So we're going to be looking at that in Joseph, Herod, and the wise men. Uh, those are the three people or groups of people um, that we see those things in. And um, so I'm going to read it. And it's long. It's not going to be on the screen, so you're welcome to follow along. Um, but I wanted to just hear the big sweep, the big narrative of the, the birth. And what's cool is um, it starts by saying, now, the birth of Jesus Christ. And that word birth, I found, is the same word that Matt was pointing out last weekend about uh, the, the Genesis. It's the, when it says the genealogy of Christ, it's the same word in Greek. Uh, but the smart, brilliant interpreters know that uh, there's a different meaning going on. So there's, it's the same exact word. We're talking a, it's a, it's an origin story of Christ. You know, it's like kind of his beginning on earth. And certainly we know this wasn't the beginning of Jesus. He, he's existed for time and eternity uh, with the Father. The Word was with God in the beginning, and the Word was God. But um, certainly a significant moment in history, uh, the, the breaking in of uh, God giving us the Son. Um, so we're going to be looking at that today. So I'll read it. You're welcome to follow along, or it can just be story time, and you can just enjoy the story, because it, it is a one big chunk. So it's gonna, we're going to start in the first chapter, verse 18, and head all the way through the second chapter. So cozy up with your Christmas wassail, and let's, uh, <laughs> let's read. So this is Matthew, and then I'll pray. <clears throat> now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born, the king, born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. 
and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for this child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, They departed to their own country by another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child with and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he, had been, when he had saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or younger or under, according to the time that they had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. And when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for proving your love, not just loving us in words only, but proving us, proving it to us. By sending Jesus, we receive him and his kingdom today with joy and thanks. Pray that you'd lead us into truth like you're so good at doing, Holy Spirit. We love you and trust you and pray in your name, amen. So, uh, that's the beginning of the, the narrative part of, uh, of um, Matthew. So the, up to this point, it's been prologue, kind of getting us, getting us the wide sweep of the whole Old Testament and God's purposes uh, for time and eternity. But now, it says now, the birth, the genesis uh, of Jesus took place this way. And, um, and the, the big point, you know, that from the genealogy was that uh, G- David was a, or sorry, Jesus was a son of David the king. So Matthew go- makes great pains to make sure we know he is a king. And this story 
is the, uh, a story of a birth of a king and all, pe- all kinds of people's reactions, what happens when the kingdom breaks in in this way. There's all kinds of responses that we're going to be looking with this. And as I read it, you know, I honestly thought, Matthew, not this Matthew, the, the, the gospel writer of Matthew has just absolutely ruined Christmas for me. You know, this isn't like the Christmas story that Luke is kind of the, the, the quintessential one that we typically go to. I mean, it's just kind of brief. Like, he was born, this happened, and then it gets into all this stuff about wise men and crazy King Herod and fleeing to Egypt. And it's just like, this isn't, and I, I'm, I'm thankful that we get to look at it in May because I don't feel the need to make us feel all warm and fuzzy, you know, with all the trappings of Christmas around. It's just, we just get to look at the Genesis, the beginning of, of Jesus. And it was a story of, of incredible supernatural sovereign intervention of God that we see in like four angelic visitations or dreams that, that are happening in the story. Five Old Testament prophecies fulfilled. Matthew goes out of his way to make sure we know, and this happened for this. And, you know, there's, it's, it's the, the, the activity of God is just uh, on the increase right here in the story. I mean, it's just going crazy. And there's great pain and suffering and, um, that, that, that is happening. I mean, there's no manger mentioned. Like, there's a ma- where's the manger? Matthew not meant, doesn't mention the manger. Uh, Mary's like practically a minor character in this story. It's like, hey, I mean, that, she's like the Luke's like hero, you know, in that story. Uh, there's mass murder. You know, in, a Beth- in Bethlehem, probably they estimate a village that size, there was probably 10 to 30 little boys under the age of two that died. I mean, it's just like there's evil rulers. Uh, there's wise men, but it doesn't say three wise men. It just says wise men. You know, that's kind of spoils it for me. It ruins our little decoration thing that we put out. And, you know, it's just, and it's not even in December. It's like we just, they just, we picked that day to celebrate the birth of Christ because we don't know. He doesn't tell us what day. I mean, it just, it's just, I'm reading, I was like, oh, this doesn't feel like Christmas. But, oh, there's such good news because that line that the angel tells Joseph, his name will be Jesus and he will save his people from their sins. Such hope. Such hope. And, and because Matthew's focus on Jesus being the king, and not even just a king, but the king of all kings. And so um, there, I, I, wanted, I, I stole Matthew's cool uh, graphic that he put up last week that he, you created that, right? That was you? That wasn't Google Images? So I wanted, oh, sorry. Um, that's coming. But I just, I was looking at this, and I was like, this is um, so helpful. But, you know, as we're talking about, the kingdom, it didn't start with the birth of Christ. God has been ruling forever. You know, so that outer ring, he's been ruling, but there's this kingdom of this age that is taking place, uh, certainly at the birth of Christ and even now. And uh, there's, an, there's a special, specific inbreaking of the kingdom of God into the kingdom of this age. And Chris, the Christmas story, the birth of Christ is just the, the tip. I don't want to walk in front of the speakers, but that, that, that blue, just like, it's just like the tip of the spear that we're experiencing, uh, that we're reading about today. And um, it's, it's an invasion. That, this is an invasion story. This isn't a peaceful, uh, you know, sweet story. It sounds like a kingdom is being invaded by another kingdom, as we see from the King Herod's reactions. And it's an invasion story. And it's not like D-Day invasion. You know, spiritually speaking, it is. But it's pretty, I mean, under wraps. Not many people know what's going on. But a few who are paying attention know, and their reaction is quite strong because they know this is the kingdom breaking in. Um, so I was 
thinking, contrasting that with how we normally view Christmas and celebrate. I, no, I love Christmas. I'm no downer on Christmas. I'm a fierce defender of no Christmas music before Thanksgiving because, not because I don't love Christmas, because I love Christmas and it must have its place and not be, you know, when I walk into Costco in July and there's Christmas trees, I just, you know, get, feel a little funny. So, but I was thinking about how we, how much we love Christmas and I was researching and came across uh, this deep philosopher, uh, Ricky Bobby, and his quote, um, he says, I like the Christmas Jesus best. And if you've seen this movie, I'm sorry. If you haven't, please don't. Uh, don't worry about it. Uh, just trust me here. He's a NASCAR driving philosopher. And when he prays, he prays to baby Jesus. And people think it's a little weird. And he's like, look, I'm praying. You, when you pray, you can pray to teenage Jesus, grown-up Jesus, bearded Jesus. Pray to whoever you want. And it was just so interesting. It's like, this is what we do with Jesus. This is why so many people love Christmas, even non-Christians, because baby Jesus is so accessible and non-threatening. We have a newborn in our home. They're helpless. I mean, it's just, it's not, you know, it, Jesus was a normal newborn, right? He, he, was, he wasn't like this. <laughs> you know, he, he was a baby that needed a lot of help though he was God incarnate. And we love that baby Jesus, but then we read the story around the kingdom breaking in, it's like, whoa, this is not a normal baby. Like what king or ruler who had a kingdom in his right mind, Herod wasn't in his right mind, but who would worry about the birth of a baby? He, the baby Jesus is not this safe, the birth of Christ, not this safe, access, accessible, you know, sweet little thing only. It is an invasion of the kingdom of light into the king, a, a dark kingdom. And so there's uh, these three reactions that I just want to take a look at. The first we'll start with is Joseph. Um, Joseph shows us that in God's kingdom, the humble are lifted up. The humble are lifted up. I was just so amazed by Joseph and Mary's humility in this whole thing. I don't know if you picked up on this, but um, and being humble, they'd probably reject my being impressed. But they were so humble because they were conduits of this incredible work of God. They, he, like I said, Mary's kind of a minor character in the story, but Joseph gets these dreams, is told to do some pretty crazy things, move his family, marry his wife, even though she's already pregnant, um, name him Jesus, though it's not a family name. Or, you know, it's like he trusted God enough because he was humble, didn't think too much of himself, and he trusted God an angel talking to him while he was dreaming. I mean, that takes some humility to tell your friends what you're doing. They're like looking at you a little like, what? Bro, she's pregnant. Like, what are you, what are you thinking? Just divorce her quietly like you're planning on. You know, I'm, I'm going to marry her. We're going to name him Jesus. And then the angel directs him to follow and go and, and move to Egypt and flee. And um, obedience, I just was thinking how obedience <laughs> requires humility. Like, God loves to lift up the humble because he knows the humble will trust him, will obey him, who've reached the end of themselves enough to know, okay, all I have is God. He, Joseph, along with Mary, are just trusting God, following him to Egypt and back and into, you know, having this baby that probably quite a bit of scandal going on. I'm sh they heard about all the babies being killed, I'm sure of it, to roll back into town knowing that because of the birth of their son, 10 to 30 others died. I mean, this, this wasn't an easy task that God had assigned to them. And they walked through it with humility, and God lift, he provided for them. He lifts them up. In the kingdom, God lifts up the humble. 
And it's uncomfortable, isn't it? I mean, we, we've all been there where we're trusting God against maybe what seems like, uh, you know, wise reasoning or practical thing. We've been there when our families think we're being a little crazy and we're, we're trusting the God, we're trusting in the Lord to provide. And uh, it's, it's tough to be humble, especially in this, the kingdom of this age. But God loves to lift up the humble. We see that in Joseph's wife, life. And that last little line where it says that they moved back to Nazareth so that he would be called a, Naz- the, a Nazarene. At first I was like, he wasn't a Nazarite. You know, I was starting to think like, Jesus, I thought that was John the Baptist who was a Nazarite. Was like, oh, that's not the same. He's a Nazarene. He's from Nazareth. And then I was looking for that prophecy. It says, to be filled with the prophets said that he would be called a Nazarene. And that's not anywhere to be found. It's just a theme that Matthew picked up on in the prophets that the prophets were despised. And to be called a person from Nazareth was a despised term. It wasn't a nice town to be, to, to be from. And so this, this theme, like Joseph moved back to Nazareth to raise his child Jesus, this child Jesus, as a Nazarene, knowing that that was a humble, a humbling title to take upon yourself. I, I had this happen last week. I was telling, talk, I, I teach at a middle school uh, in town, and I was talking with a parent about our plans to move to Visalia. And before I had told her I was from Visalia, she kind of scrunched her nose a little bit, like, oh, you know, like she's been there before. If you've ever been there, Smells like cows, lots of, you know, dust. It's not on the beach or anything fancy. Uh, it's not, you know, there's nothing special about Visalia unless you're from Visalia, right? I mean, you've, wherever you come from, you know, there might be that kind of sense. And so it was just kind of funny then tell her, yeah, I grew up there. I mean, I, so it was like, she's kind of, oh, why are you going there? She thought maybe I was transferred there or something against my will kind of a thing. And so uh, Jesus had that his whole life. You know, like here's Jesus, the Nazarene. You know, it wasn't a status title. It was a humbling title that Joseph led his family and trusted God that God would provide. He didn't try to make, uh, uh, take things into his own hands. And I think about, I wanted to read this text from James chapter 4. As I was thinking about this because, one, I mean, this is not a Christmas. You will not read this passage at Christmas, I guarantee it. But it's so helpful in thinking about how God provides and lifts up the humble. This is James chapter 4, and starting in verse 4. I mean, that just starts with a warm, fuzzy thing, right? You adulterous people, you know? <laughs> it's like, whoa, I love James. I mean, he doesn't mince words, right? Yeah. Um, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? enmity with God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it's no, it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. I, I believe Joseph, I mean, that, he, that, that, it's a quote from Proverbs 3. Joseph, being a, a good Jewish boy, probably grew up hearing that quite a bit. Uh, I believe he was walking in that. Humble myself before the Lord. It not, it's, I'm not living for comfort for joy, for my own satisfaction. I'm going to let God provide it. I'm going to humble myself and let him lift me up when it's time. 
if it's time. You know, I mean, he, that's humility. Not being a friend with the world and, making, and then therefore making yourself an enemy of God. True humility. But, I mean, it's not, we don't just do this to make ourselves feel bad. It's all grace, like James says. He gives more grace. This is not a punishment thing. God knows there's more grace to be found through humility than in pride and friendship with the world. This is not a, you know, make ourselves feel bad and woe is me. That's not humility either. It's just a different shade of pride, really. To walk in humility, trusting that God will provide, will take care of you. That you don't have to defend your reputation or make, you know, make life work for you. That's humility. Trusting God. It's all grace. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resist the devil through my humility and make myself a friend of God. That, that sounds like a good... Joseph, I believe, was a friend of God through all this, right? Fleeing to Egypt and then back again. I mean, what an adventure, probably that he didn't choose for himself, but a friend of God. We also see in the kingdom that the, 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 uh, those that are far off are brought near, and we see this through the, the wise men. Those that are far off are brought near. Now, um, the Greek word is magi. You guys have heard that term before, right? The mag- I always wondered, what's that word magi? That's the Greek word. And it's plural from, from magos. Um, and it's this, I was looking into it. And again, Christmas is ruined here because these are people from the East um, who the magi were a class of people who practiced astrology, dream interpretation, studied all kinds of sacred writings, pursued wisdom and magic. I mean, they're like, it's like a group of magicians showing up to Jesus' birthday party. It's a little like, can you imagine like a bunch of wizards in the, what do you call that? Is that a creche? Is that the, what do you call it? The, is that what that is? Um, can you imagine? It's like mom puts out the wizards uh, instead of these, you know, my mom had one as like these, you know, regal looking wise men, you know, that looked really godly and you know, they, I think they were good men. I think they were honestly seeking after transcendence and truth. I do. But they weren't God-fearers in the sense that we know. I mean, they, they, were, they were traveling. They studied the sacred text better than most Jews, enough to know the prophecies. And they went to the palace because they knew a king was about to be born. They, and they were traveling with some money. They had some stuff with them. And I think their intent was not to worship God. I don't think that's what they intended to do. They were intending to come worship a king and maybe curry some good favor with a newborn king and kind of beat everybody to the punch and get on his good side with some gifts. I think that's probably what they had in mind. And then the whole thing gets, you know, reoriented because they're open to the supernatural. I think, you know, God used that and led them with the, uh, the supernatural star to the place. And then they go in this humble home, you know, and they realize and they fall down and worship like, oh, this is not what we thought. And then they're warned in a dream to not go back to Herod. These are people who were far off, far away as we would consider it. And they're brought near in the kingdom. Um, they were seeking, I think, because every, everybody's seeking salvation. I think they're seeking salvation and being good, good deeds. You know, they wanted to do the right thing by bringing gifts to a newborn king. And they were seeking salvation in that way. And they give, I mean, just can you imagine Mary and Joseph receiving these gifts? Like, what, what are they doing you know, with this? You know, maybe they used it in Egypt to get by with their little gold. I don't know what they used it for. But I mean, it's kind of, Joseph and Mary are probably like, what, what are you guys doing here? And um, so these, these weren't what we tend to think as, you know, the wise men. And we don't know if there were three or not. They give three gifts. So people assume, well, they each carried one. It could have been more than three. It could have been two. We know it's more than one. 
but it could have been a whole pack of these magicians. And uh, I, I use the term magicians quite confidently because it's the same word that we see in Acts the, uh, for when they encounter what's called the sorcerers or the magicians, same exact word that, that is used in Greek. Different class of people. You know, these were from the East and probably well-versed in all kinds of mystic, you know, mystical stuff, but still, they were not God-fearers as we would suspect. I think they encountered something as they showed up and fell down and worshipped this baby. But, and then they're warned to not go back to crazy king. But I love that, that the far off are brought near. And I just started to think, um, because I, I, have from, I have not spit in the tube and sent it off to DNA.com or whatever it is, so I don't know. But I, as far as I know, is that what it's called? I'm not plugging anything because I'm not sponsored by them. Um, I don't know if I have any Jewish ancestry, but as far as I know, I don't. So I, my family was far off. I don't know what they were, I started to, it's kind of a, it was a little weird, but I was thinking like, what were my ancestors doing when Christ was born? Like, I wonder how far off we were before I turned my nose up at these magicians from the East. You know, my family was probably, you know, in, you know, the, the British Isles getting ready to defend Scotland from, you know, the invasion of Rome. You know, that's probably what they're doing, worshiping who knows what. I mean, like, just, it's, that's probably where my ancestors were doing way far off. And I am so grateful to God. So grateful to God that he brought in the Gentiles. Like these, the wise men, the first Gentiles really to encounter Israel's savior. No, God knowing, oh, this is going to go all over. I'm so grateful that I got to be brought in, though I was far off. You were probably far off. And these, these, these men show up from far away, and they come, the, 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 those that are far away are brought near. And then finally, the proud are brought low, as we see in uh, um, Herod's life. Psalm 33, verse 8 through 11 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Herod is a man getting his plans frustrated by God. He is a power-hungry lunatic. I mean, his kingdom was insane. He killed his wife, some of his own kids to consolidate power. He was brutal. As you see, it just without even thinking about it, he wipes out a village of babies. He, he, was, he was a puppet king put in there by Rome as a king of the Jews, and, and he was all about trying to keep and hold on to his power. So he's th so threatened by these wise men showing up saying, where's the king of the Jews? We heard he was born. And so he's manipulating. Hey, tell me where he's at. I want to go worship him too. And thank God, you know, he, God intervenes to prevent that from happening and allows Jesus to escape with his parents to get out. But the other side of this is that the kingdom, when the kingdom comes, the proud are brought low. That's hard to watch sometimes. I think we all have friends that are like the Magi, far off, maybe good people trying to seek, do the right thing, right? We have people like that. And that's a really good thing that in the kingdom, they're brought near. We should be okay with that, them coming near, with all their maybe odd little superstitions and things they're into, they can draw near and hopefully be humbled and, and worship Jesus. But we'll also have friends that are proud, looking for salvation by hanging on to power and control. Oh, I mean, we, we, we do that too still. I mean, there's, there's that, that's going on. But when the kingdom comes, when the king comes, those pr the proud are brought low. God, God's plans will endure. He won't allow us with our little K kingdoms 
you know, to stand in his way and his purposes. The proud are brought low. And it's brutal what happens as this crazy king is trying to hold on to his power. Everyone is looking for salvation. I truly believe that. I truly believe that. The furthest away, I think people are looking for rescue. They know something's not quite right. And we, people go after all kinds of things, money, status, career, right? Good deeds like those, you know, the wise men or power. I'm going to climb the ladder and get as much control as I can. Everybody's searching for it. And here enters Jesus, the king who will save us from our sins. Name him Jesus, Joseph, because he's coming to save. Yeshua. It's the same name as Joshua in, in the Bible, right? The one who led them into the promised land. Name him Yeshua, because he's going to save his people from their sins. I, I, I came across this verse in Titus that just was so um, amazing to me that it's, if you want to write it down, I would commend for you to uh, meditate it on this week. So, Titus 3, verse, starting in verse 4, it says, When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. I mean, that's kind of the, the Christmas story right there. The goodness, loving kindness of God, our Savior appears. He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Wow. Wow. We're all seeking salvation. God's loving kindness appears to save us, not from our, any of our good deeds, but because of his mercy. His mercy. And it says, by the washing of regeneration. And again, tucked in there is that word genesis, palagenesia, the, to begin again. That's what regeneration is. Jesus is genesia, makes way for us to have our regenesia, right? His birth make, makes, a, makes it possible for us to have a rebirth into the kingdom. Not because we're good people who work really hard to find our way. Not because we humble ourselves and make ourselves feel, uh, you know, like we're doing the, like we're godly people. That's not why he rescues us, but because of his mercy in Christ by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. God the Father sends God the Son through the power of God the Holy Spirit that we might be born again and be rescued and then become heirs, heirs of eternal life. Hallelujah. I mean, I, 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 and I want to end with this from Ephesians 2 because I, I just couldn't help as I was thinking about how God has brought in the Gentiles like me, though my family was probably a million miles away from the covenant promises of God and that uh, when I'm proud and trying to cling to my own kingdom and my own way that, that, that his plans will not be thwarted, that even as I, I feel like I'm being spent and I can't get any lower and more humble, that he delights to lift us up and provide. I was thinking of that and just so grateful, so grateful for the giving of his son. The gift of his son, the loving kindness of God has appeared to us appeared to us. And so I, what came to mind was Ephesians 2, which hopefully is a familiar passage. It, it's getting worn out in my Bible. I'll start at verse 4, but the, 
the verses before that talk about how dead we were in our trespasses. I mean, not, not um, like dead is, means dead, right? You don't, a dead person can't really do much for themselves. And we're dead in our sins. And then this fantastic phrase breaks in, but God. I was far away, but God. I was proud and clinging to power, but God. But God, being rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. Not a result of work so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. This, Paul is writing to many Gentile Christians. This is a Gentile perspective on the inbreaking of the kingdom through Jesus Christ. They're looking back and just marveling like, whoa, look what he's done. Look what he's done. We are dead, cut off, separated, far off, but God being rich in mercy brought us in. And if that wasn't enough through the cross, the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus, that would have been enough. But Paul goes further and says, in the coming ages, right? In the coming kingdom, Really, that, that word. It, he's going to show immeasurable riches of his kindness to us in Christ. There's more to come. I just was realized, like, God, you've done enough. <laughs> you've done enough. Haven't you? Oh, no. I'm preparing to, to lavish upon you, like, immeasurable riches of grace. That, that's what he's preparing for us in the, the kingdom. This, what we see here, I mean, this is just like a, like a preview, like a prelude, like a like a prologue, like that's all this, this is, really. Even though, I mean, what, even though what we're experiencing is fantastic in him, right? But he has is, he is more planned. He's going to make all things new, all things new. And it all started here, this humble little baby being given, not because we earned it, because it's a gift, that we might be brought near and lifted up. So come near to the king. That's what I... That's what I believe he's, just like those, those wise men, come near to the king. Come near to the king. Don't try to control the king, because you can't. You can't control a king. That's kind of part of being a king. Draw near to the king. Humble ourselves that we might be lifted up into his kingdom, into, into his grace today. Hallelujah. Should I pray, or is there, do you, are you going to pray? Me? You can pray, too. Let's pray. Lord, we are humbled with all that you've done in Christ. Lord, this was not just a, uh, I mean, this was planned from time and eternity that you would do this. Send us your son, born of a virgin, that he would live and teach and perform miracles and be betrayed and killed and resurrected. <laughs> you planned it, Lord. What a gift that you've prepared for us in Christ. It's humbling. It's humbling, but it's so, so exciting what you've prepared for us in the coming ages. We thank you for it. We receive today your kingdom and pray, pray that you would, your kingdom would come.
Your kingdom would come here as it is in heaven, Lord. That's our desire. We pray this in your good and strong name, Jesus. Amen.